are you going to be carrying that torch and, and dancing with the rest of the crew? Yes. I love, I love a good line dance. They got us all together on like the second day of everyone being here. And they said, we are going to teach you the line dances. You have to learn them right now. Welcome to Social Kick. I'm Brian Lundquist. We got a partial crew, Dr. John Mullen, and joining us from the center of the country down in Texas, Aaron Gemmel. What's going on? Uh, not much. Just been doing some homework, having some coffee, having a great day. Excited to be here. Sweet. Well, like we said, that's the the life of a collegiate swimmer, catching up on homework, catching up on probably not training too much on Sundays. Before we get into it, Aaron, we had a few audience questions submitted. So it's a quick rapid fire. This one's from NCA Prep wants to know what swimming event should be added to the Olympics. Um, I go for a one fifty free. I think, I think, just for my own sake. <laughs> oh wow! I love that you went with a non-event and just added love something it. totally off. I'm kind of jaded. You didn't say fifties of stroke, but here nor there. Okay, this is from Dave Chavison. Wants to know: Does she know how to ride a unicycle? I do not know how to ride a unicycle. <laughs> John, do you know how to ride a unicycle? No. But this guy submitted more questions than anyone else ever has. He submitted <laughs> at least 10 questions. So just putting a, a little warning out there for you. <laughs> yeah. I, guess, I guess there's a backstory there. All right. Well, here's another one. You know, Olivia Bray says, what Taylor Swift song best represents your swimming career? Um, I'd have to go with look what you made me do. And before that makes me sound like a little scary, I just get really motivated by spite sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe we'll get into some of what's going on in your head behind the blocks uh, a bit later. But uh, and then another one that hits home close to you. I'd love to know the backstory on this. But Sarah Carruthers wants to know when can the floor lamp return to its rightful place by the window? <laughs> Um, you know, as soon as I stop being afraid of the fire safety people, because <laughs> the floor lamp, though it is technically legal, was marked illegal last time. And that's why <laughs> it was removed. Oh, my goodness. The uh, uh, you just can't do it. Can't get away with it. All right. Last one from Miss Rose 246 on the family side. Do you and your dad share the same vision for your future? Um. I don't really know. He kind of lets me like craft my own future. Like I'm sort of the lead on that, but I, based on what I do know, I would say so, but he lets me take the lead. All right. Well, backstory on that for the listeners, Aaron's dad, Bruce Gemmel, long time, uh, successful swim coach, coached you for a while. Um, but I want to know, uh, since we're talking to you in Texas and the last time I think I saw you in person was before your college career at one of the meets, maybe a U.S. Open or something like that, when we got a chance to see you in person, ask you questions. Um, when you announced to Texas, you said there was going to be a conversion of your closet to burnt orange. So I just want to know about life at Texas and has the closet conversion been completed? Um, it's It's been great so far. And yes, I am steadily accumulating more burnt orange items, uh, both just from like the athletic department and just outside. I just keep accumulating them. I see something burnt orange and I'm like, ooh, which is new for me. I was never an orange girly before. 
What is the, what is one of the number one accessories that you've seen in burnt orange for like going to football games in the fall? What were some of the things that you uh, acquired in the process of getting into that burnt orange life? Um, I've got a pair of burnt orange like bell bottom jeans that I have now that I was only able to break out once because it tends to be really hot here. I didn't really think that through. Um, but I've also acquired a burnt orange dress, a bunch of burnt orange shirts, just everything. I remember, uh, when I went to Auburn and I had these like Auburn colored faded, uh, aviator sunglasses and those were part of my college game day, you know, get up. So, uh, but I feel like kids these days, it's just constant with the accessories. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Um, I have a friend who has, you know, longhorn shaped earrings that she breaks out for game day. So. Oh, there we go. All right. What about tattoos? What does it take to get the Longhorn tattoo? Does anybody on the women's team have it and or like Texas themed stuff? And what's the uh, protocol there? No, that's more of a men's team thing. We kind of leave the Longhorn tattoo to them. Um, we're more likely to get pretty much anything else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, catch us up on on life lately and training and how have things been going at Texas and just all of that. What's what's the life update? Um, life update is I've really I've really liked training. Um, it's formatted pretty differently than I used to at home. Um, I think a lot of my other freshman classmates would agree with me. We're kind of at home, you we're, we're used to pushing every single practice the hardest you possibly can. But here there's sort of this mentality where we've got three really hard practices a week. And those are the ones that you really go all in for. And then the other days you're working on technique or recovery so that those three can be the best possible. Yeah. What was that change like? So you weren't um, doing that sort of uh, thing before did you have easy days ever before or were you really just cranking every day um I had easier days but that's more that was more of a like what the practice was formatted like and not today's recovery sort of thing so it took me a while to get used to it I was sort of confused at first because I thought I wasn't I was like oh I'm I'm not tired which <laughs> Yeah, but it allows you to keep going for longer. If you're just only pushing three practices a week, those practices can stay a higher quality further into the season. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, there's different levels probably. It's like, oh, I'm not tired because I'm not like completely broken down to oblivion almost where it's, yeah, like you said, maybe this will increase your capacity longer or allow you to still have very quality workouts throughout the full season. So that's interesting that they yeah, have it at three. Has that changed throughout the, the year at all or uh, you might still be figuring out as a, a freshman on the team? Um, that stays pretty constant, but I mean, what they are is different. Usually our Friday is sort of like a race prep kind of hard, whereas, you know, Monday and Wednesday is more of like a traditional kind of practice. For me, it depends what group you're in, but things like that. So was there a conversation that was had early on? Like, did you show up trying to kill it every workout? Were you that person who's sprinting warm up and everybody else is like, hey, 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 cool it. <laughs> um, I think 
pretty universally all the freshmen basically everywhere show up sprinting warm up because you know you kind of show up and you're like I need to be so good I'm in college now they have to know that I'm not slow but um other than that I think I've known pretty much that you know Tuesday Thursdays are for recovery and I'm not about to take a practice that I'm not supposed to be hammering and decide to do that. That's just not how I am. Well, I certainly didn't follow that. I was like the slowest warm upper of all time when I was even a freshman. I was like, all right, I need to save energy so I can actually have good sets in me still and not use everything up and warm up. But I think you're right where most freshmen and, and probably what you should be doing is, you know, pushing yourself and building up your overall capacity. Um, with your training, though, you mentioned two recovery days. What does a recovery day look like? Because I imagine what that means for a lot of people can mean different things. If Luke was here, he'd be blowing bubbles at the bottom of an ocean in the Caribbean. But what does a recovery day at Texas look like? Um, for me, it means I lift in the morning. So I guess that's not recovery because always pushing it there. And then because of my class schedule, I swim in the afternoon. So me and the rest of the afternoon group, we show up. And usually for me, it means I'm either doing IM that day, um, just some like drill work and things like that. Or I'm just doing longer, like stretch out swims. So like some long pull or some long backstroke, stuff like that. What Can you run us through the schedule? I'm curious if the, you were kind of alluding to some of this with there being like a separate morning and afternoon group, but I was more familiar with a schedule that may have, you know, double swims a day or like a lift and a power focus swim in the morning with an afternoon group and most of the team is there. So like, how's, how's the team split up and how do people manage their, their, you know, college class schedule balanced with the workouts at Texas? Yeah, um, that's pretty much the only time we're split. We're all together for our doubles on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then our single and our lift on Saturday are also all together. So just Tuesday and Thursday, some people do swim and then lift in the morning because they don't have class until later. And some of us do lift in the morning class and then swim in the afternoon. What's the hardest class you've taken so far? Right now I'm in Latin too. And because I got credit through high school for Latin one, but it turns out that I have not learned everything that I needed to know for Latin two in Latin one. So it's been a lot. <laughs> What's wrong? Those AP classes just didn't serve you well? No, <laughs> not this time. Um, looking at the season so far, looks like some some great swims, a lot of best times. It looks like already from Texas Invite into other meets. Maybe you talk us through or talk about your overall performances thus far and and how your times have been. Yeah, um, I just get really excited when I'm racing for a purpose. So I think that's been something really helpful for me. Being in college is that it motivates me a lot when it's not oh, I have to do this time for me. It's I have to do this time because my team needs me to go this time. And so I think that's what's been behind uh, a lot of my best times or even my not best times, my better performances. Like um, this past weekend at NC State, I had a bunch of events in a row, but I didn't get into the mental place that I usually do where it's, I have so many events, like I have to save up for this one and I have to do this and this. It was more like, okay, 
it helped me calm down and make sure they were all really good because my team was trusting me to be that good and to put me up there and swim those things. Yeah. What do you feel like you've learned about yourself so far uh, just in this period of time and transition and in life? What have you learned about both yourself and uh, yourself as a swimmer? I think as a swimmer, I've definitely learned that that has been confirmed for me because I assumed that I would be better in support of a team, but I didn't get a chance to do it a lot because I didn't swim a lot of high school. And even then, like the competition level isn't the same. And on a smaller scale, I learned that I really need to pull a lot. I never really (laughs) thought about it at home, but I started pulling more uh, after Christmas break back here and it just helps me get my feel in the water. And then as a person, I think, I don't know. I kind of used to think that I really wasn't super independent. Like I thought I would need a lot of help uh, getting everything done and doing everything, but I've surprised myself in that not that I need to be self-sufficient because I have people to rely on if I need to, but that I can and that it's not, a giant ball of stress all the time. Right. Pulling is seems so different for everyone. We were talking with Zalin um, and he was saying how he's using um, a, 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 a strap and a buoy when he's pulling and then he finds that that's really helpful for him. What type of equipment are you using when you're pulling? Um, I know some people used to have snorkels with like holes taped up and blocked. So what is the equipment that you're using? Uh, usually I'm just using paddles probably smaller than any of my coaches would like (laughs) Um, a buoy and I wear a snorkel when I pull because a it helps like keep my shoulders from feeling as tired when I pull and b because it helps me zone out and just stare at the bottom of the pool and you said that you find that you need more pulling is this like extra that you're doing on top of the workout or are you just replacing some of the the swimming sets with pulling sets Um, usually it's replacing, I asked, um, Carol at Mm -hmm. Knoxville, if I could have blanket pulling privilege, meaning that I could just choose to pull any like freestyle swim set. And then obviously if she told me not to, I would switch back to swimming, but I just find that it helps me get into a set more and like set a speed kind of. Oh, interesting. So do you find that there's like a transition from uh, pulling to then swimming and like, yeah, would you prefer to do it in that order as well? Yeah, I would definitely prefer to pull and then swim. I think up to a certain point, pulling is much easier, but I hit my speed ceiling in pulling at a lot slower of a speed than I do swimming. Hmm. So I can pull with a lot less effort up to around like, I don't know, maybe like a 59 in a short course hundred. And then if I want to go any faster than that, I have to switch to swimming, but it'll be harder because it's swimming. Yeah. Oh, the snorkel. Some people's best friends, some's enemies. What's the longest you've worn a snorkel for like in a, in a practice or in a set and any tips for people that really struggle with the snorkel? Oh, I, If I was allowed to, I would wear a snorkel just the whole time, probably. Um, I've definitely worn it for like full 2,000 pull sets before. 
Um, I think you just have to kind of like get used to it, I guess. I remember when I was younger and snorkels first got introduced into the equipment for the team and everyone struggled because no one could do a flip turn. But I don't know. I think it's just getting used to it. And then eventually you're like, oh, this is this is nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was a horrible breathing mechanical swimmer. So I remember my senior year, um, I was we're doing like 400s off the blocks on like four minutes. And they're like, John, you get three breaths per hundred. And I'm like, what? Three breaths per hundred. And they're like, yeah, you're breathing so bad. We need to learn how to not breathe because it's your senior year. You just need to get used to it. So are you similar that your breathing mechanics just aren't dialed in and that's why the snorkel is such a key component for you or it just helps more your body alignment? Um, I think both. I think my breathing mechanics are pretty bad. There are a lot of photos of me breathing because I breathe so high out of the water. And so it's easy to take a picture of. But um, I think that that is affects my body line. And so then having the snorkel helps fix that also there's one thing that i don't think that we talk that much about um i feel like coaches touch on it with water bottles like washing your water bottle a lot but when's the last time you washed the mouthpiece of your snorkel out well they gave us a new snorkel when i got here yeah but before that how about that i thought you might say that yeah um before that i was using a snorkel that i had had since fourth grade (laughs) And it had been bleached multiple times to try and get the mold out of it, but it didn't work. (laughs) How often are you washing the towel that's in your locker? Uh, They actually, we had a whole (laughs) issue at the beginning of the year where obviously everyone had just gotten here. So we were all getting sick and they decided we are going to start washing your towels for you. Like twice a week. Was there like an E. coli outbreak? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think they might have been worried that there would be. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's so gross. Um, And the water bottles. Do you wash your water bottle on at least a decent cadence, Aaron? Well, I don't put anything except water in it. Oh, really? Yeah, if I put not water in it, then it would it would get washed every time I put something that wasn't water in it. But it's only ever water. So okay. like, I don't know when I remember, which is <laughs> annually. Yeah, <laughs> actually, no, I wash it after if I'm sick, I'll wash it. So hopefully not that often. But in practice, I don't know, probably every couple months. Is this one of the independence things that you learned about yourself is that you're okay being left alone to actually clean up after yourself and like not put yourself in danger by like some regular routines? Yeah, I'm surprised my room at home was a little questionable in its organizedness, but my half of the room here is pretty clean. And so is the other half. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not slandering my roommate. Shots fired, Sarah Carruthers, in the floor lamp. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, So uh, what are you studying? My major is Plan 2 Honors, which is it's a liberal arts honors program that is also a major. So 
it's basically just a little bit of everything. Um, I have to take literature, philosophy, biology, math, physics, and then I have to do a thesis at the end to graduate. What does the thesis involve? Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but it's either, it can be creative, I think, or just like a typical like written thesis, but it can be on whatever I want it to be on. I j- it just involves getting like advised by a faculty advisor and then presenting it at the end. Cool. That sounds fun. What uh, do you want to do with your life besides swimming? No idea. Hence why my major is um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's the beauty of college is you don't have to decide. But I will, I will offer you this advice that I made it through to – I think my third year in college and I had changed my major a couple of times. And with NCA rules, you have to make a certain amount of progress toward one particular degree in order to stay eligible. And I remember having this conversation with my uh, advisor, my academic advisor, and she said, OK, here's the deal. You got to pick either this major or this one. Everything else in between, you're fucked. I mean, that was it. It was just like, okay, you got to decide now. And that was to be eligible for my senior year. Like, it's not that I was failing classes. I passed everything. It was just, I, you know, I needed to decide what the hell I wanted to do with my life. So you've, you've got a few years, you'll be okay, but don't, don't get so deep into it. Like I did and then end up wasting like uh, 30 hours worth of credits. Cause they didn't count towards your major at the end. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of um, people with my major have a second major that's like a regular major. And I have one right now. It's business, but it's a nice fallback. I don't know if I'm cut out to do the double major and also sports kind of thing. I don't know. Something to ponder, I guess, with your head down snorkeling. Mm hmm. When you so, were getting recruited, yeah, sorry, um, circling back to maybe picking Texas and, and more importantly, I'm interested to learn about what it's like now because Brian and I were, were old heads now. We're, when we were swimming, there wasn't rankings of recruits and things like that. Sorry, B, sorry to burst your bubble there. Um, but there weren't rankings of recruits and all these things coming out, at least none that we remember. How does that impact things as far as the recruiting side? And is that something that, I don't know, young swimmers are looking at when Swim Swam or other publications are posting these lists? Especially, uh, sorry, can I follow up just that like your bio says you're number one recruited in the 2023 class. So it's like, yeah, what, like, what, is, what impact does that have on, on you and the process? Um, for me, I looked more at the Swim Swam one than the college swimming one, which means that like in my brain, I was not the number one recruit in the class. I was like number whatever, lower than that. And so for me, it only really impacted me in the sense that I kind of thought I'm really good at this sport. I should be picking somewhere to swim that is also really good at this sport, but not anywhere sort of past that kind of general sense. Like Mm -hmm. I knew and I looked at it, but it wasn't super impactful. I mean, I, I looked at schools that I don't think you would expect me as the number one recruit Hmm. to have looked at, but that's just because I was interested in going to them and I wasn't going to let being the number one recruit stop me from looking into schools. Mm -hmm. 
is when you look at the list because I think some swim had you like number ten. Are you are you secretly looking at the people ahead and be like, I, I'm I'm better at them, or why are they giving me a hard time because I'm more of a distance swimmer and I am not a relay contributor? What the heck does that mean? There's so much subjectivity built into all these lists. It must be hard not to just kind of you know pump yourself up a little bit. Yeah, I mean it's a little hard not to look at people and be like, hey, like I think for me a lot of it was that at the time and I still am better at long course than I am at short course and they're using short course. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of pettily annoying for me to look at it and be like, I am so much like I'm so good at long course guys, please recognize that I'm so good at long course, but obviously that has nothing to do with college swimming. So you don't get the recognition for that. But at the same time, I kind of, thought of that as like a like a secret advantage kind of thing where I was like okay if I'm better at long course than at short course then when I go to college I can get really good at short course kind of thing yeah well has that happened I mean how do you feel about your your um the things that you've learned and how have you progressed in short course so far I think that I'm working on it I've been put into turn group on Wednesday mornings because my turns are um, very much not not a strong point for me. Um, I think at the beginning of the season, I had Mitch and whoever else was in distance group that day look at my turns and go, they don't look that bad, but they are. Why? <laughs> Um, so I've been, I've been working on my turns a lot. And I think that that's definitely been helpful, not even solely from like a time perspective, but it adds a lot of confidence when I can know that, Hey, my turns are better than they were. They might not be entirely horrible anymore. So then hopefully like I believe more in myself to go faster because I know that I've changed something and made it better. Yeah. Well, uh, could you share some details? Like what, what, what have you guys found? I mean, obviously I I would imagine that you're looking at some underwater film and then trying to like dissect what actually mechanically is, is happening and studying that at an in-depth level. So what, uh, what, what's been your approach uh, with the coaches and how have you, like, what are some of the like detailed findings? Yeah. One of the big things we've been working on um, just for almost everybody is uh, like pushing yourself around with your hands. So when you go in, instead of like tucking your hands into your ball, you just like leave your hands where they are and push on the water so that when you flip over, that's helping you, you flip over faster and your hands are already where they need to be to put them in a streamline. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we've really been working on and that helps the speed and it helps the efficiency because your hands are where they need to be. And then we've also been looking at how far you are from the wall and what the optimal angle of your knees is to push off the best. So for someone like me, because my underwaters also aren't maybe the best, it's important to get the most force off the wall that I can if I'm not going to catch someone on the kicking. Hmm. I love how you mentioned you're like relegated to the turn group. It seems so funny. It's like, all right, 
go over here and let's just work on turns. But I'm assuming there's many different groups and these specialty groups to work on. What are some of the other specialty groups of like, all right, these people need more practice with this. Is there a starts group and, and other things like that? Yeah, um, there's a starts group. Um, those That's more like a morning practice thing. The like super technique based ones get put in mornings. Um, but like a lot of the times our brush strokers have their own group because they're doing brush things. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then sometimes there's a one paddle pull group where they just pull with one paddle, which I should be in as someone who does more like distance oriented things, but I'm in the start group on that day because also my starts need to improve. So. All right, let's talk more about that first. Uh, one one paddle pull group. Maybe tell us uh, more about what they're doing and and maybe the the rationale behind it. Um, they pull with one paddle on. I have only ever been in that group maybe once. And they're doing circles. What's going no, on here? No, I mean they're swimming, so both hands are like. But I, you know, I couldn't tell you why they're pulling with one paddle on. I think that's the mystery of the OPP group. <laughs> and that's just whatever's going on over there. But you were jealous. You wanted to be in that group. You felt like you should be. Why? Um, OPP group is usually just the more distance oriented people. And even though I'm not swimming the mile or anything like that, my training at home lends me more to be in the distance group sometimes. Brings a much more PC meaning to OPP. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I like it. Go ahead, John. Um. How, how long or how much a week are you working on turns in, in this specific group? Um, usually it's Wednesday morning, so it'll be maybe like an hour, something like that. They'll get out the cameras for us and mm -hmm. we can look at our turns and improve them. And it's really been helpful for me. Obviously, the turns have gotten better, but it also gives me like a sort of it's right in the middle of the week. It gives me a nice kind of break where I'm still being productive. I'm working on my technique, but I'm not walking into Wednesday morning practice going, oh no, what's about to happen? <laughs> Those are the worst. It was just like striking fear into you. Have you, have you had that moment yet? I mean, you came in with such a strong pedigree with a big training base behind you that I would imagine it's um, besides like wanting to stand out and, and do well in a new environment uh, that like you, 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 I would imagine that you've got some good confidence about like your ability to hang and, and all of that. Um, whereas some people may come in uh, with a much bigger transition athletically to make in the college uh, environment. So, um, but have there been some days that like a set just struck fear in you? Yeah, I mean, I I spent the first semester basically in um, just mile group on Mondays because I felt like I needed a day where I just swam longer. And some of those sets really were a little scary. Um, I don't remember the rest of the context of this, but there was like a 400 not hard on 410 once and I just short course obviously and I just kind of remember looking at that and kind of wanting to cry but then no one else seemed concerned so I had to be also not concerned 
<laughs> what, what what else was involved in that? And then do you remember what you went on said 400 on 410 that um, was easy? I don't. I think it was one of those sets where it starts out with like a 400 and then, you know, you've got a 300 and then 200s. I just, that one really stuck with me because no one else seemed concerned or worried. <laughs> and I was... I was kind of that kind of really showed me like what was going on in my group and that they were really serious about it. Well, now that you have mile group on Mondays and like you mentioned, you're getting your turns dialed in. How are those getting you ready for big 12s coming up and then NCAAs? Yeah. Um, I've been after winter break, I have been moved to a uh, 200 free group on Mondays so I've been getting a lot more practice pace in um, to get ready for my two free. Uh, and then obviously Wednesday, the turns helping with the turns and then Friday we race. So I think it's just really great that it's kind of like, not that there's not a hard practice on Wednesdays, but it's kind of putting all the elements together. It's you're practicing, here's your technique, put them together do your little practice race so that you're not afraid to swim your race. I think that's a really big thing with me. Sometimes I go through phases where I'm afraid to swim the 200 or the 500, the way that I know that I need to and practicing them is really the only way to not feel that fear. What is the way that you need to swim those? Like go out fast and don't slow down. I, um, get told a lot um I used to get told a lot by my dad like whatever you do don't slow down if you're like because if you slow down like nothing good's gonna happen you're still gonna die if you were going out too fast and if you were going out the right speed now you're going too slow but it's hard when you hit you know the 50 of a 200 and you're already tired not to want to start going slower That'd be a little early to bonk, I think, or like to have, if you're, if you were dead at the 50 of a 200, it, that things are going to go really poorly. <laughs> um, sorry, go ahead, John. But it's true. I mean, I remember having some tuner fly long courses and I'd like turn at the 50 and be like, oh boy, uh, this is going to be, this is going to be a long one. And and like you mentioned, or maybe your dad mentioned, you know, putting the brakes on is probably the, the worst thing to do because then you're, you know having to change energy systems and, and push it different ways versus just accepting kind of the speed or the the pace that you're at and going with it. Yeah. yeah you definitely have to just accept what's happening and <laughs> keep going. Oh, well. Yeah. Well, it's momentum is a really big thing. Right. And then also there's an aspect of it. There's, there's the physical and the mental component and to be able to trust the training that you've done. I mean, this is going to be a fun, exciting year for you. I'd imagine because in a new training environment, learning so many technical things like life adjustment, uh, you know, there's, there's this, um, like big meat approach that you're coming into where for the first time you get to see really like, okay, um, obviously you've had the in-season swims and some of the uh, spotlights and things that'll happen in training that are these short, smaller indicators, but you know, the real, the real fun part, I think, um, you know, is, is yet to come. So back to the, like the big 12s and NCAAs thing, like, what are you, what are you most excited about for the championship season? I'm just excited to see how well I can race. I've been kind of trying to going with the swimming for the team thing 
take my focus off of times and onto, I guess, place or just racing people because in the end, like that's what matters. I mean, it doesn't matter what time I go if I'm if I get whatever place the team needs me to get at NCs. And same thing for long course. In the end, it doesn't matter what the time I go is as long as I'm, you know, top four, top six in the 200 to make that team. So that's just, I think that's a lot easier way to think of it than sort of thinking, oh, I didn't, I was a 10th off of my time. Like I was this off. It's just a lot less kind of stressful to me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's such a special feeling. A lot of people say swimming is an individual sport and like, you know, in the long course and the, you know, kind of Olympic pursuit setting or world championships teams, like it does, it is very individual, but um, that's one of the big draws to college swimming is how big of a team component there is. And when I hear people say like swimming's an individual sport, I kind of think not, not, I mean, yeah, for a lot of people, but if you've ever lived that, you know, college team environment, then, you know, it's very much, it's a team thing. And, um, in, in the way that, you know, other sports are that have, you know, six or five or 11 players on a field or a court. So, um, I'm very excited for you. That sounds super awesome. Um, when I wondered though, about like outside of the swimming portion, just the team component, what are some of the traditions of, the NCAA team at Texas? Um, we, the big one that comes to mind is uh, we have a retreat every year. Um, we go off to Camp Lucy. It's this like, you're, you're picturing like a cabin in the wilderness, but like, it's nice. Um, uh, just for like a day over winter break. And we all kind of, we hear from the coaches and their goals and we talk about our goals with each other, but also we do like a lip sync battle Um, in teams and that just really helps after the fall of everyone just kind of getting into it that just really helps everyone kind of check in make sure we're all doing well and kind of cement us as bonded together as a team but other than that we have so many we we all go to team dinner every Friday and I've heard from the upperclassmen that that was something that was really hard to implement at first but now it's just kind of second nature that everyone just shows up uh wherever we're going and I can't believe that they like were able to turn the team culture I mean I'm sure it was great but to make the team culture that we have now it's just like we are so bonded together as a team and like I I'm sure that other NCAA teams are very team and very bonded together, but I like can't imagine there being a team that's closer than we are. Yeah. I think you're underselling one of the Texas traditions that I think I've seen is um, Kelly Passion mentioned it to us and we all remember her dancing and line dancing at NCAA. So are you going to be carrying that torch and, and dancing with the rest of the crew? Yes, I love I love a good line dance. They got us all together on like the second day of everyone being here. And they said, we are going to teach you the line dances. You have to learn them right now. And we all learned them. And I know I love it. It's just a great way to remember that it's supposed to be fun before you do a meet with your whole team. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was standing for most of uh, NC's last year. I was standing right by uh, the Texas team, and you could definitely get a sense that uh, they were, if not the team that was having the most fun uh, there, then for sure amongst that group. So uh, I can imagine being a part of that culture now is, is pretty freaking awesome. Um, what about uh, looking forward to you know the summertime and what does your time frame look like for transitioning? It's obviously you know big year and Olympic year and with NCAs and the timing of that and then coming to trials. There's not a ton of time to transition to the big pool. Um, yeah, have you have you thought a little further ahead with the season plan on what's to come next after the NCAA uh, meet happens? Yeah, I mean we have a couple meets scheduled in there and then. We're lucky enough to have our outdoor pool that's always set up long course. So I'll do long course like a couple times a week, even if it's not necessarily one of like our super hard practices, just to like swim around and kind of get in the big pool. Um, but I'm going to be honest, it kind of feels like the calendar ends at NC's. Every time I get an assignment that's like due past that, it, it doesn't exist. That's a fake. <laughs> right. Um, but I also think that that's kind of good because I think if I were to think too far ahead, I would get a lot in my own head about it and kind of start worrying when I don't need to be that worried. But I know that Carol definitely and Carol and Mitch have a plan. Yeah, I think that's the the right mindset to go, especially with your first NCs. There's got to be so much excitement and energy there. But you've been a, a crucial part of these 4 by 200 relays. And I think the last World Champs, Australia, had a, had a great swim. They're going to be a very tough team to beat. So where do you envision the, you know that that relay? And like you said, trying to get top four, top six at Olympic trials, uh, you know, playing a factor for you? Um, I think, I mean... Like every day, it probably crosses my mind at some point. I think it's hard not to. I think even though I'm so happy that I've accomplished all I've accomplished, there's some part of me that would kind of rather go into this Olympic trials as like an unknown. Like more, like everyone wants to be the underdog, you know? And in the sense, like, yes, I am to an extent. I'm not, I'm not Katie. <laughs> um, but also like I was on the relay last year so it's not there's like some pressure that comes with that and I would rather there not be but it's there and I have to just accept that what do you think uh, Team USA can do to build some of the same kind of team camaraderie that you find in the college environment like how are those two environments different they're both you know, they're both teams uh, and any of the folks who we've talked to who are like really long time members of Team USA. Like I was I, I've traveled as part of Team USA, not at the Olympic level, but I did go to Shore Course Worlds and World University Games and Pan Ams. And each of those had its own flavor. But I, I've noticed a distinct difference between like what I think is just kind of a few teams that I've traveled with versus the people that we spoke to take like Nathan Adrian, for example, someone who was a part of Team USA for like a long time or, you know, Katie Hoff or Carolyn Joyce, who are some of these that participated over like a long period. Um, the way that they talk about like the pride and the it's almost like now they're big fans of Team USA. Um, it's it, it's like a different feeling of part of a membership group. 
And, um, and I would imagine like, you know, with the consistency of being part of that group, it feels that way, but it also has this pressure. It's super hard to qualify to be on that team. And then when you go to the, the world championships or, or like upcoming the Olympics, there's a totally different level of scrutiny that comes around that like big long course meet in the summer, you know, um, and, and NCAAs has its own flavor, but there's something that's kind of different about those, those national teams. So I'm just curious, like what your experience has been uh, within the culture of the national team, what you've seen so far in college and like how you think that, um, that, that national team and team USA can be influenced to, you know, really come together even more so to get the best performances out of everyone this summer. I think I would sort of equate like you at the USA swimming teams as being like a super group in like a music sense where, you know, everyone kind of has their own things going on, but then you come together and you kind of have to do this one, you all have this one purpose. So it's really interesting because like I'll meet or see some of some people I'm really close with on USA swimming teams, but then I won't see them for six months because we swim halfway across the country from each other and we're not going to the same meets. And I think it's really hard to build that same level of camaraderie when you just don't see people every day. And I know that like USA swimming has worked on that with there's like national team camp and relay camp and even the, lead up camp to worlds or the Olympics, I feel like kind of has besides a training component, it's also about forming the team, but it's just really difficult when you don't see these people every single day. And also to some extent, like if you swim the same event, like that's your competition. Like as much as I love, as much as I love you at the end of the day, like you're who I'm competing against. Mm -hmm. So it's just a really interesting balance. And I don't know how you would, you could possibly get the national team to spend more time with each other, because I think that's like the only way that it would end up with the same vibes as college swimming. Yeah, I could see that being the case. Hmm. Well, Go like ahead. you mentioned, you have, like you said, the same people that are on your USA team are the ones you're competing against. So what is your personality like, I don't know, behind the blocks at like a, a, a big U.S. meet? Because obviously you you know a lot of those competitors. You've been on teams with them now. Are you the one that's chatting it up? Are you quiet and focused? What would you say you are like back there in the ready room? I feel like I'm generally pretty quiet and focused but I'm not like if someone talks to me I'm not ignoring them like I'm excited to see these people um and I think I'm a lot more excited to see and talk to the people in the events that aren't necessarily like my big focus main event like in the 100 free if I'm in a ready room at a top USA swimming meet I'm just having fun these are my friends let's go race um, but generally I'm pretty quiet in the ready room. You're also team parka, aren't you? Aren't you always in a parka and like parka and crocs? Yeah. I um my dad had to really like force me to like 
wear clothes at like a swim meet because you're supposed to like keep warm but I don't like the perceived stress of having to like take them off before you can swim because even though I know that they're not going to start without me I feel like they are so parka makes it easy you just unzip it and crocs you you just slip them off even though you just slip off sneakers too I don't like I'm aware that it's the exact same thing but it feels different (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what about socks? Are your feet freezing though? No, the, I have socks on in the Crocs. Oh, I just sock grab, and Crocs. grab the sock and the Croc at the same time and pull them off. All right. What are some Crocs charms that you're waiting till the end of the season to reward yourself with? Or do you get some new ones for, uh, what, what do they even call them? What are the things that you put Pivots? on there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I bought myself a Texas Longhorn one off of Etsy before I came here because they don't like sell them for real. Um, And I don't know. I I think after the initial decorating that I did when I first got my Crocs, I just kind of let the Crocs charms, like the gibbets come to me. Like it's fate. They choose me. (laughs) What about uh, any of your friends? Do you gift uh, the gibbets ever? (laughs) I don't. And my Crocs have been like really underutilized recently because we have meat shoes, right? Like as a college team, we have to all wear the same shoes at meets. Oh man. So I, the Crocs only ever really get worn to like morning practice now. And I think they're sad about it. Oh geez. How how are your feet going to make that transition? I know I'm worried. Um, I had a couple of like random questions that I wanted to come back to uh, just from threads that we touched on earlier. First on the pull thing. So you mentioned like a focus on pulling, but that you're incorporating more long course. And I've personally noticed for me a huge difference between uh, pulling short course and long course. Um, as And like it's part of the adjustment of swimming between short course and long course. It's just like it's it's a different adaptation with that many strokes in a row. Um, are you as good of a puller long course? And do you feel like there's some different developments there versus short? I think pulling long course is easier because I think it's really hard to like turn around as much when you have pull gear on because you can't really do the underwaters as much because you have a buoy and the snorkel gets in the way. So long course, I feel like pulling, it's easier for me to find my rhythm more quickly because I just have a longer stretch of time to do it. Yeah. Um, And then the other thing that I wanted to touch on was uh, back to like the recruiting piece and um, and NIL. What are like, do you have NIL sponsorships? And like when you are being recruited, what's the what's the process like uh, for that? And, you know, do you feel like especially with, um, you know, we were talking about kind of the level of, of credential that you had where you were ranked in these ranking systems and, and everything I could imagine like the decision is beyond just, you know, what am I worth from a scholarship standpoint and helping that negotiation, but also like looking to some commercial opportunities cause you've got them. So like, what's, what's that aspect of your life? Like, yeah. So I don't have any NIL deals at the moment. And I think a lot of it is that it, even for the amount that UT tries to teach us about it and make it seem really accessible and really easy, it seems very complicated and like a lot of work. And as especially a freshman whose entire life just changed 
and I have swimming and I have school. It just seems like something that I just don't want to spend the stress energy time on if it's not an opportunity that I really feel strongly about. What if you could get a fire marshal legal uh, floor lamp? Would you be okay with that sponsorship? <laughs> I mean, the floor lamp is a really important part of the room. So that, that would def- that's something I really do use in my everyday life. <laughs> what if you become an Etsy ambassador? How about that? Well, let's get sponsored by Etsy. <laughs> that, that could be a good one. What actually, what, what's something, what are some of the things that if you had the time uh, and the resources to do it and to, you know, just navigate that, that path on your behalf, what, what are some that you'd like to have? Um, I'm actually really jealous of Claire Curzan's Crocs NIL deal. Um, yeah. I love my Crocs and I want, I would like to like have an excuse to wear them on deck. Right. Because that's the only way to get out of wearing team apparel is to have like an NIL deal. And I mean, along that same lines, like I've been wearing like speedo suits since I was actually like 12 years old. And as much as like, I, I, I am growing to like arena I like the Speedo ones. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Everybody's got their favorite, you know. We were just talking to Zala and Sharkhan, and he was saying, you know, he's his big thing is arena. Like, he'd love to have that. And uh, everybody's got the fit. And I know there's obviously some folks who just love the Mizuno, especially a lot of dudes love the, the Mizuno jammer. So, um, yeah, especially, like, and that's the... the the things that would add a lot of value um, from a from an athlete standpoint are just taking care of the things that you use a lot. And uh, like, can I get those things for free or can they pay me to use their stuff? Like that it just that's a brand partnership, um, you know, made to work really well. So uh, I love that. What are what are some other ones uh, on the team? Does anybody on the team have have deals? Um, yeah, I think a lot of the team has a lot of like smaller deals going on um i think there's a pretty high number of people that have those and then we have like arena we have like kelly and lydia all right and erica with speedo stuff like that is there any guidance on social media too and like how to leverage social media to um you know maximize your opportunities for nil yeah we if we want to we can like as student athletes there's classes on that that we can go to where they'll like teach us the best ways to use social media. But I mean, they give us like a couple tips that we just like absorb. And I think it can actually be kind of hard because a lot of the like people my age, like social media etiquette that you like absorb in middle school and high school kind of goes against what they tell you to do if you're trying to build your brand as an athlete, like in high school, it was sort of like, you can't post on Instagram too much. Cause if you post on Instagram too much, like that's like not cool. But then if you're trying to build your brand as an athlete and gain a following, it's like, you have to post a certain amount because that's how people see it. So looking back, what advice would you give younger you to do on social media when you were in high school? 
just like post more things, girl. Like I rem- I distinctly remember having a conversation with my mom where she was like, you haven't posted on Instagram in like three months. Like I, I like your Instagram posts. And I was like, mom, I can't post on Instagram. It's only been three months. I have to wait, <laughs> which even just from like a personal, not brand building standpoint, I kind of wish I had done that more. Cause I like kind of use my Instagram. It's like a little scrapbook for me. I like seeing what I posted and now there's giant gaps because I was trying to be cool. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. They're not Mr. Beast videos. You know, you don't need to wait months in between them because they're getting millions and millions of views. Although certainly, you know, on the trajectory that you're on in your swimming career, maybe, maybe you'll get to a million. Who knows? Yeah, I'm I'm being hindered right now. They took all the Taylor Swift music off of TikTok and like that's that's like half of my brand. So <laughs> I don't know what to make TikToks about now. It's been it's rough. <laughs> all right. Well, now we're going to get into a segment called Honesty Matters. Okay. okay. So, do you always do 100% of warm up? Warm up, yes. Do you always do 100% of warm down? Distance? Yes. yes. Is it social kick? Maybe. We'll accept that. Um, have you ever pulled on the lane line in backstroke? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> my, dad to- my dad told me to do it for a while once because he said my backstroke was bad and pulling on the lane line would help me figure out the right way to put my hand, though. <laughs> Why does a coach's daughter get a pull on the lane line? <laughs> <laughs> That's so backwards. <laughs> Do you touch the wall with two hands on all fly and breaststroke turns? No. Do you ever push off on the eight instead of the nine? I would say that I do, but I've also been told that I like chronically leave late, so I had to push it earlier. When you retire, do you think you'll still swim? Or you'll quit forever. If I can get my hands on like waterproof headphones, I'll still swim. I second that. Game changer. Um, Have you ever cried in practice? Yes. Why and when was the last time you cried in practice? Um, Probably just because the set seemed so difficult. And I think. The last time I cried in practice was New Year's Eve because uh, we were doing a set and Carol said it looked like I was going easy and I was really, the effort was, I was really putting in the effort and I was just so frustrated with myself for that. Oh, that always hurts so deep, right? When you're like, feel like you're doing everything you got and then you get get a comment like that yeah <laughs> did that did that get sorted out later yeah yeah it did it did it got sorted out. all right last one is it okay to wear clear goggles no like i'm i'm afraid <laughs> <laughs> wait i have a bonus one and do you do you kick when you pull no, I try like like, like like that's a yes. Like enough to like float, but I can't kick 
Uh, I can't kick like a lot if I'm pulling because the pull buoys that they give us are like too rough and it'll like rub the skin off my leg if I kick too much. So it's keeping me in check. All right, good. That's my biggest faux pas. Don't do it. Don't do it, Aaron. All right, we got a few rapid fire questions and we'll end things. Uh, what's the hardest race in swimming? Controversial answer, long course, 100 free. Woo, I think that might be the first time someone's ever said the long course, 100 free. Okay, so. I love it. Olympic gold or world record? Olympic gold. Do you pee in the pool? Yeah. When you clear your goggles out, what's the method? Do you use water? Do you lick goggles? What do you do? My thumbs. What's the best prank that you've ever seen done on a team trip? I haven't really seen any, and this makes me worried that they're going to appear now. Uh-oh. Watch your back. <laughs> what's the most annoying thing that a training partner or teammate can do? When people, like, kick the back part of a block when they're on it, like, before a race, and it makes a really loud noise for no reason. <laughs> what do you think is the most unbeatable world record? Um, the, the women's 1500 by anyone except her. What's something at a swim meet that you just can't live without? New edition, Welch's fruit snacks. <laughs> Heard it here first. It's another NIL potential. What's the best swim that you've ever seen in person? Um... Katie Ledecky's 2012 800 Olympic gold. Hell yeah. Um, what's the race you're most looking forward to at NCAAs? Probably the one of the relays. Love a good relay. Okay. And back to dear to our heart, how often are you doing social kick? Like... At least twice a day. Hell yes. That's what I'm talking about. Carol and Mitch, here we go. That's good. Maybe it's why we're so bonded as a team. That's I uh, couldn't agree more. It's uh it's really the secret to bonding, honestly. So, you know, just just more of it. Maybe that's what Team USA needs more of. Just more social kick. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Fix all um, the world's problems. There you go. Uh, Aaron, thanks so much for hanging out with us. It's super fun to catch up with you and hear about, uh, you know, this new life that you're in. And we're very excited to see all this turns progress to show its face in the short course season. And then, of course, uh, later in the summer, we'll we'll be rooting for you along the way and, and welcome back here anytime. So thanks. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. All right, gang. That's it for this episode of Social Kick. We'll see you next hey, everybody. time. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you're enjoying Social Kick, Tell your friends about it, and be sure to tell us what you liked by leaving a comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Social Kick, and you can find all of our content on our website at thesocialkick.com.